Sit back and listen and enjoy my podcast about health, wellness, fitness, yoga, business, and life. I talk about everything from ways of eating healthy, mindfulness, yoga, working out, manifesting, to pop culture, momming, adulting. I try to have fun and laugh at myself along the way of my sometimes stressed out and frazzled life. This is Fit, Fun, and Frazzled, and I am your host, Nikki Lanigan. My guest joining us today on Fit, Fun, and Frazzled is Carrington Smith. She spent her life trying to be someone else, to fit in, to be loved, and keep the peace, and to make others happy, until finally, Carrie discovered that her own path to happiness wasn't based on fitting in, but on standing out and celebrating her uniqueness and owning her past. She's a single mom, attorney, business owner, and executive search professional. She has survived sexual assault, two divorces, piles of debt, abuse, religious mind games, the death of loved ones, and the loss of close friends. She is also the author of her debut book called Blooming, Finding Gifts in the Shit of Life. And this book takes you on treasure hunts to discover the gifts and the shit and the messiness and the failures and the trauma and the difficulties of life that we want to discover and need in order to bloom into our greatness. On today's episode, we discuss what she does now. We discuss um, her book. Um, we discuss so much. We just, We talk about why people tend to not feel that they're good enough and what causes self-loathing. We talk about accepting our own uniqueness. Um, She also talks about in her book, um, Fertilizer, and what all that means. We talk about daddy issues and overcoming the urge to compare ourselves to others and why we compare ourselves to others. Hello, Fit, Fun, and Frazzled listeners. I am excited for my guest joining us today. Her name is Carrington Smith. Hello, how are you? Hi, Nikki. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Um, Can you tell our listeners who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, I am a single mom, a proud mom of two teenage boys, one about to go to Baylor in the fall. So we got that out of the way. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Uh, About to be an empty nester because one more going after that the next year. Uh, I am an attorney that doesn't practice anymore. I found my way into uh, executive search, which is my primary business. And I've always had a passion for reading and writing. I was an English major and would write short stories over the years. And during the pandemic, I published my first book. So that, yeah. That's really exciting. I'm, that's also, that's a dream I have being a published author. I actually went to school for journalism. Um, So one day I hope to do that. Yeah. It's interesting because I would write stories over the years and kind of never understood like who would care or why they mattered. And Mm -hmm. when the pandemic hit, 
I had this sudden realization that we were experiencing a universal trauma. And suddenly my very ordinariness, the fact that my life experiences were things that everybody else had experienced or often people go through was actually what made my story compelling. And the fact that I was able to use the emotional resilience I gained from the experiences I had to look at this universal trauma, the pandemic as actually an opportunity as opposed to adversity. Um, yeah, it actually motivated me to write the book and share it with others. Oh, that's exciting. Um, so I do want to talk about your book, but, um, at first I want to talk about, um, what are some reasons people tend to feel like they're not good enough? Well, one of the main reasons is because of comparison. (laughs) if we would just stop comparing ourselves you know comparison is the thief of joy and I think if we can just remember that every time we start to think about well so and so is doing this or so and so is doing that and I could have done that but I didn't do that I decided to do this that is a road to nowhere that is a path to unhappiness so that's one of the main reasons and you know it took me years and years and years to realize, and this is the truth of it, is that just like snowflakes, each one of us has our own bundle of unique attributes, skills, gifts, experiences, all of that, that we impart to the rest of the world. And God did never intended us to be exactly alike. He actually Mm -hmm. found each one of us to be unique and special. And if we're comparing ourselves to people who aren't like us, we're comparing apples to oranges. And we each have our own unique path and our own unique set of gifts. And so really coming to appreciate and embrace our differences as opposed to our similarities, I think is really the most important thing to becoming happy. And then the other thing that makes people unhappy um, is those really at the, in our earliest years, it's what our parents plant, not just our parents, but our life experiences. It could be mm-hmm. kids at school or, but it's those early memories that we have that sort of become a, a blueprint for how we view ourselves for the rest of our lives. And it's so important to figure out a way to break that, you know, old path or old neural pathways of like, I'm not good enough. And change that internal dialogue into a positive one so that you don't keep living in that old, you know, reliving those past experiences and that, that old dialogue that you used to have. Yeah. So I have two girls. I have a 14 year old and an 11 year old, and I already see them going down the path of comparison and social media. Um, Yeah. Social, social media is huge. Even for me. And I have to remember that's a highlight reel for people. That's not, they're only showing the good. They're not showing everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why do you think so many people are caught in the loop of trying to fit in? Well, I think it's a, it's an, a, a, a natural need for us to want to have a sense of belonging. And mm-hmm. I think that people mistake the idea of quote unquote fitting in to actually belonging. And I think this is a Brene Brown thing, right? I mean, she talks Mm -hmm. about how 
it, when you actually have that sense of belonging, you are loved as you are, you know, with all of your flaws and all of it. That's when you really feel that sense of belonging. And I think that we try to quote unquote fit in to have an experience that's really an artificial sense of belonging in that we all feel like we have similarities and, you know, together. And I mean, I spent my entire life trying to fit in in one way or another. And also just that, mm -hmm. that people pleaser mentality of, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm shaking I, my head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I joke if that first uh, matrix movie where the guy like moves his body, where he's bending back, uh, avoiding bullets. If you can visualize that it's, he's like a shapeshifter. Mm -hmm. that's how how I refer to myself I was the shapeshifter meaning whatever it took to fit in to get along to make people happy I would alter my behavior to do that and mm -hmm. what that led to was incredible unhappiness for me because I was never being my true self and I was never offering the world my true self and you know shining because I was so busy trying to be somebody else yeah did you do anything or was there anything that helped you to accept your uniqueness? Well, I think obviously years of therapy uh, and then it's, it's a lot of it is really shifting my mindset and being open to new perspectives. I mean, there were different life experiences that happened that kind of were like wake up calls for me. Um, one was this, uh, uh, it was a, it was a charity auction, dating auction that I went to, and it was for, um, MD magazine here in Austin where I live and all these different people were bidding on these doctors to see, you know, for charity. And as I watched this charity auction, I was shocked by who people were the most excited about. And it wasn't the, the runner who like you know, ran marathons and, and you could tell was like very tightly wound and it was very scheduled and disciplined and kind of gave off that, uh, vibe. And it wasn't the, the former beauty queen who had been in pageants and had that sort of glam look. It wasn't her. Mm -hmm. It was this girl I call the Jan Brady of the group. She was, uh, she didn't wear much makeup. She didn't really do anything with her hair. She wasn't super thin, she was fit, but she was curvy. And the main thing was she just gave off this sort of like, I love myself and just was this very natural um, vibe and had, it exuded self-confidence. And the men went crazy for her. And my takeaway, because I was so busy, like trying to lose weight or stay in shape or look glamorous, trying to do right. all these things to be loved and here's this girl who was doing nothing <laughs> yeah she was loving herself and embracing who she was and that that one night left such an impact on me because I realized wow I mean it was it was like a six to one like comparison I mean how much more people were excited for her over these other two girls and so it really, I think it's just having that openness in, in life to look at experiences and kind of learn from them. My mm -hmm. takeaway from that was I just needed to relax and learn to love myself. Yeah.
I think so many of us do, especially females. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think as I went through, as I've gone through life, I've started to watch how men respond and you hear women go, their ex is with some girl who's kind of plain Jane or something. And they're like, well, what is it about her? Like, why is he like her better than me? You hear these conversations. Yeah. And it's usually two things. It's usually one, she's self-confident and, you know, loves herself. And it's also how she makes him feel. Mm -hmm. A woman that makes a man feel great is somebody that's more valued than someone who uh, does not. So you can have that high maintenance woman who's just constantly, uh, you know, full of drama or, or has a negative, negative personality. And that's not someone a man wants to be around. So it's kind of watching others and learning from their life experiences as well. Yeah. Um, so talking now about your book, Blooming, um, can you give like a short synopsis to the listeners of um, what it's about? Sure. So Blooming and the um, subtitle is Finding Gifts in the Shit of Life. And people are like, why would you use that word in a title? And it's, it's because it's for a number of reasons. One is because we really refer to things as, as shit. And, you know, we talk yeah. about this, the shit that's going on in our lives, but it's a right. double entendre. And that is that shit is quite literally fertilizer. And when you kind of take that in, you realize that it's the messes, the failures, the difficulties, the traumas, those are the things that actually enrich us. It's the nutrients from those life experiences that help us bloom into our greatness. And so that just gave me the chills that like literally gave me the chills. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things I really try to sort of teach in the book is that if we are able to, instead of trying to hide our failures and the things we're embarrassed of, but to re-examine them and embrace them and realize they are part of us, but how do we you know, take the good from those experiences and use them to propel us through life? And I, you know, I don't really believe in telling people what to do. I'm a big believer in people learning through stories. And so I walk with the readers through these different traumatic life experiences that I had, but I, I don't just give the experience. I talk about how I got through it and how I found the good in it in each circumstance. And so it's really more a roadmap of, you know, maybe how to view things differently or approach things differently that can help you take what's something that's really hard and bad and turn it into something that's a positive and learn from it. Mm -hmm. um, what about your past? Did you have to work on so hard to own it? Like in quotation marks. Oh, uh, you know, probably the, I mean, so much, I think yeah. one of the things that we women do is we minimize, we, mm -hmm. we tell our friends, oh, it's no big deal. Get over it. You know, it's not that bad. And that's like the worst thing to do. People need to feel seen and heard. And in my experience, starting with being raped in college, that's was the immediate mm -hmm. thing that happened to me. I was told not to talk about it and didn't talk about it for six years and was ashamed that it, it had happened to me and lived in shame 
and so many other of my life experiences. There was a lot of shame associated with what I had gone through. And I just finally really reached, reached a place where I was like, if I am going to learn to love myself, I have to love all of me. And that includes all the bad stuff. Yeah. And so it, it was a really long process, but I had to really reach a place where, yeah, I owned it. In fact, when I was writing the book, I thought it was so important to be, to be completely authentic and to be authentic and believable. I had to disclose things about myself that I had never disclosed before because I was ashamed of them. And one of those was that I had an affair in my marriage. And I thought if I am going to open up about everything, I can't hide that one thing because mm -hmm. then I'm really, I'm not sharing a complete picture of who I am and what my life experiences have been. And so that was a hard thing to come to terms with sharing, but I thought it was really important for me to really own who I am and what I've been through to share it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, you're a single mom. And then in my notes, I also have, um, what are the gifts of divorce? So can you share with us what um, your gifts of divorce are? Yeah, so anybody who's divorced, who's gone through divorce, is going through divorce, I don't wish it on my worst enemy. It's the most painful life experience. However, when I was getting divorced the second time, one of my good friends said to me, you know, you don't want to hear this now, I'm sure, but with adversity comes opportunity. And I was like, I did not want to hear this right now. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was so miserable. But what I came to realize as that those words stayed with me was that divorce was actually an opportunity in that it gave me a clean slate. I finally was free of trying to keep everyone else happy. I didn't have to keep my ex happy. I, now that I was divorced for the second time, and certainly my parents were completely disapproving of me. Um, so I was like, why try to make them happy? <laughs> they already yeah. were like, she's, she's messed up. Um, I just had this moment of freedom and I realized I could create any life that I wanted for myself and for my kids. I had the freedom to buy my own house, decorate it the way I wanted to create you know, a new circle of friends. I changed my wardrobe. I changed, you know, I went this period of self-discovery trying to figure out what kind of music I liked and where I liked to eat because I had always done what my ex had done. So mm -hmm. it was this wonderful period of self-discovery and a, it was a blank slate. So instead of viewing it as a, a, focusing on what I had lost, it was instead learning to focus on the opportunity in front of me. And that shift was a massive shift in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. That's Thank you for sharing. <laughs> um, so I am in the process of listening to your book on Audible. Um, can you tell some of the listeners about your own daddy issues? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have big daddy issues. Um, so... My, I had a, a father that is what psychologists would refer to as a malignant narcissist. He is, so with, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about narcissism, but there are, yeah. I believe five different types of narcissists and he is the worst 
on the scale of narcissism. And that includes that he had delusional thinking, um, actually believes that he is a, a prophet. I mean, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, he viewed the family unit as an extension of himself. And so he set up a dynamic where there was competition, not just between me and my siblings for his attention, but between mm -hmm. me and my siblings and my mother for his attention. It was yeah. a very sick dynamic. And he would do things to drive wedges between us. So there was never a sense of family. So for instance, when I was a young girl, I asked my father if I was pretty and he gave me a once over and really kind of took me in and said, yeah, I don't want to set you up for false expectations. Um, you know, you're not, uh, and you know, you probably just need to get comfortable with that. Uh, but your sister, now she's beautiful. Wow. So not only did, as a young girl, did he decimate my self-esteem, but he drove a wedge between me and my sister. And mm -hmm. he set me up for constantly comparing myself to my sister to the point that my sister had naturally curly hair. I had every bad perm <laughs> in the eighties that you can yeah. imagine because I was oh. determined to have curly hair. Now I'm like, I, I love my hair now, but as a mm -hmm. going through that period of time, I was so determined to look more like my sister that I got into all these behaviors, trying to be more like her, which all that did was lead to unhappiness. But yeah. so that, that's just one of the many daddy issues. There were many, um, but that kind of gives you a little bit of flavor for it. Yeah. Well, I think all my listeners need to go and buy your book and read it or listen to it. Um, I ask all my guests, um, do you have a morning routine or a night routine or both or something that you do for self-care? Yes. So, and uh, to be honest with you, the last couple of months, I've kind of gotten away from it. And this morning I was like, I have to get back to this because I could tell the difference. Yeah. That's yeah. so fun. That's the same with me since like March or April, I got away from it. And this morning I did it again. I started up again. That's funny. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so during COVID, I really started um, spending my morning, like reading meditations and journaling. And then mm -hmm. I would kind of take from the things I was reading and write affirmations and uh, probably about, I don't know, six or eight months ago, I recorded what I had written. And so I started listening to them in the morning when I was getting ready. So if I didn't have time to read it, kind of like with Audible, right, I could listen to what I had written and hear myself talking about, you know, um, that I was, you know, open to receiving and that I was, you know, open to deep relationships and kind of talking about the uh, things that I aspire to. And so it was really great getting back to it this morning and hearing all of those things and reminding myself how important hearing that is because we, all we hear right now is what's coming from the world and it's so negative. And, yeah. and if you don't have someone in your life who is constantly giving you positive feedback, it's really up to you. And it's, that's so hard. It took me so many years to come to terms with that because I didn't have any family members telling me, you know, you're great or 
you're beautiful or any positive thing. And so it really took me writing it down and reading it back to myself and listening to it. And honestly, it's, it's, it seems sad, but it has been life-changing and, um, coming to terms with the fact that I can be happy alone. I would love to have a life partner, but finding happiness within myself, I think is really the key to happiness. Mm -hmm. So in any circumstance I'm in, I find happiness. I choose happiness. And so I think that's one of the biggest takeaways for me, I guess, is um, happiness is a choice. It is a daily, not just daily, it's an hourly, it's a minute by minute choice. In every sense, we have these things that happen and we get to choose the dialogue we have with ourselves about it, the, you know, how we perceive it, the choices we make about it. And those little daily micro decisions are what determine our life. Yeah, that's so true. Um, where can everyone find you? I'll leave this in the, my show notes too, but um, your website, social media. Yeah, so my website is carrington-smith.com and that's Carrington with a C. And all of my social is at Carrington ATX, which stands for Austin, Texas. Uh, The book is available on amazon.com and also on Audible. And it's Blooming, Finding Gifts in the Shit of Life by Carrington Smith. Um, Well, thank you so much, Carrington, for coming on and joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Fit, Fun, and Frazzled with my guest, Carrington Smith. Head to my show notes to find where you can find Carrie and follow her on her website and on social media. You can follow me on Instagram at NikkiLanigan.YogaAndWellness and also Instagram, Fit, Fun, and Frazzled Podcast. Thank you guys always for tuning in. And please make sure to take care of yourself this week. Take time out of your day to practice self-care or self-compassion and just really make sure you love yourself and you're putting on your oxygen mask first.